first Sunday of a brand new year, one of our dearly loved brothers is uh, pursuing the gospel ministry. And we want to give him an opportunity here to speak to us this morning. This is a, a great treat for us all. And I just want us to give a, an opportunity to hear and to support and to encourage someone that's taking on a distinct challenge. As you know, when I started doing this back in 2016, this is not what I really uh, thought I could do. I was pushed. <laughs> As you all know, Pastor Phil had his foot uh, right in my back. Uh, but God uses us all in distinct ways, and I just wanted us all to give a loving valley welcome to my brother, Emilia Ortega. Good morning. Happy New Year's <laughs> to the elders and pastors of this church, to my valley, uh, uh, Fairlow valley, um, valley Bible Church family, to guest friends and family. I am so happy and honored to be used by God today to be, on the, be here on the first Sunday, the first day of 2023. One thing about this time of year, there's one thing that we constantly do during this time of year. What do you think that is? Resolutions, New Year's resolutions. Let me tell you some interesting facts about New Year's resolutions. The most popular resolutions in 2022, last year, were living healthier, personal improvement, and happiness and losing weight. About one in 10 people who failed said they had too many resolutions. 35% of the participants who failed their New Year's resolution said they had unrealistic goals. And 23% of those who quit the first week, and there was only 36% that actually made it through the end of the month. And at the end of the year, only 9% of people successfully kept their New Year's resolutions. There's actually research now that actually can predict when you will actually quit your New Year's resolution. And their research has shown that January 19th is actually called Quitter's Day because it's most of the day when people quit their resolution. But, but I, I believe the New Year's resolutions can be boiled down to the list of things that we will start doing, things we may continue, and a short list of things we'll stop doing. But I believe New Year's resolution is representative of how many of us, including myself, live our lives obsessively trying to control our destiny, trying to provide everything we need. We almost operate with the mindset of, in the poetic words of William Henley in the, word, in the poem Invictus, I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul. And like our New Year's resolutions, we fail, fall short, unable to control, unable to be masters of our lives. But I have good news for you today. I have for you today the only New Year's resolution that you'll need. It is a resolution that will provide you with everything you would need. It is found in Psalms 23, one of the most popular texts in the Bible. Let's turn to Psalms 23 and we'll, we'll pray. Um, Psalms 23. The Lord 
is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his sake of his name. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, will fear no evil, for you are with me. Amen. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come right now, Lord, desiring to hear a word from you. Lord God, help me to decrease that you may increase, that your word may go forth, Lord God, that our lives may be changed and transformed, that we may be transformed into your likeness, Lord God. We pray that, Lord God, that those who are lost, those who are wandering, will return back to you, Lord God, and that you would withdraw them to you, Lord God. We pray for this word today, Lord God, and we thank you for the opportunity. In Christ's name we pray, amen. In this text, we see King David, the author of Psalms 23, starting with those powerful words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In some translation, it's basically, I shall not want anything. And he uses in this example the metaphor of a shepherd and a sheep. And this is an ama amazing metaphor that shows the representation of a relationship with God. David was well aware of a shepherd because he was one as a young boy. But what, what, what is a shepherd? A shepherd, for many of us not familiar with that, a shepherd was someone, was not just someone who just hanged around with sheep, just fed the sheep around, walked with the sheep, but as somebody who was dedicated to serving and supporting the sheep. They fed, they nourished, nourished, they provided, they protected. When the sheep wandered, they helped them bring them back. It was a committed task for a shepherd. The shepherd's job was not a lofty position for this person, according to some scholars and experts, that they spent this time 24 hours a day through all seasons and climates. These individuals sometimes risked their lives to be a shepherd. Now, regarding the sheep metaphor, if, if God is, a, is a, sheep, a shepherd, then David would be a sheep. Now, being compared to a sheep is, is not necessarily a, a flat, something flattery. Sheep were dirty, um, they're not the smartest animals, and they're easily attacked by wild animals. But an interesting thing about sheep is that sheep are dependent on the shepherd for protection, for food, and to help them from wandering. In this text, um, God, Cake, in, in this text, when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need, King David begs the question, what does the God, the shepherd, provide that will allow you to have everything you need. Based on this text, we see that God supplies us with provision, providence, and his presence. Let's examine this. First, God is, comparing, uh, God is a caring shepherd who supplies his followers with provision. 
Verse 2 and 3, it states, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, and he restores my soul. Green pastures, when he's talking about green pastures, it's referencing it's a place where the sheep can relax and eat and enjoy nourishment. When they said that when they had green pastures, that is where sheep felt comfortable to lay down and they would be able to eat. And the food, when they say pastures, is, is not just a food for the moment, but it's, it's a plentiful. It's, it's a lot of food. It's a lot. And so it's showing how God or how the shepherd provides nourishment. When it talks about um, the, the waters, the steel waters, it's basically sheep are, are fearful of, of kind of running water, and the, the water has to be still for the, the sheep to, 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 to drink it. And they, the, some uh, experts, they say that what the shepherd would do would build a dam to kind of um, steal the water so the sheep feel comfortable for drinking it. And lastly, it says, restores my soul. This verse goes on to, to really looking at the restoration of the soul. Some scholars actually believe that it's actually a restoration of strength. Uh, and needed and getting the energy they need to proceed. King David can say that he was definitely nourished from God, which was physical, emotional, and spiritual all throughout his life. In, in one of his Psalms, Psalms 54, it's, he records, surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustained me. In Psalm 73, 26, it says, my flesh, my heart, may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Now, if we look at our lives today, we can testify that God is a provider. If we had time for us just to have a, a testimony survey, a testifying uh, testimony survey just for what he's done for 2022, I believe we will be here all week or actually all month of hearing all the great things that he has done. For us, some of us um, have experienced a, a new job. Some have gotten new additions to their family. Some have received deliverances and healings from diseases and sickness and addictions. But all of us can say in this room today, if you don't have anything to say that God has provided, you can say that God has provided you with life today. You are living and breathing today. But in addition to the physical provisions that God provides, he provides us with his word which is found in the Bible, which is the Holy Bible. Psalms 119.103 states, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than the honey in my mouth. This rings true to me as this year has been difficult for me, but it was always and constantly encouraged me when I read through God's word, specifically Psalms, when I hear the cries of David, when I see all the things that he has gone through and he's continued to put his trust in God and as God has always shown up, those are encouraging words. And, and that's how God provides us and provides provision for us. But of all of these needs of provision, I believe the most important one is related to our spiritual condition. You see, we were spiritually dead. We were enemies of God because of our sin. And through the gift of Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. Now, as followers of Christ, I and mean, that is an amazing provision to receive from God. We can say, we can see and say, the Lord is our shepherd, that we have everything we need because we, he supplies us with the provision we need. In verse 3, it continues to say, He leads me in paths of righteousness for for his namesake. We see in this text what it basically says 
that he supplies his followers with providence. What is providence? Providence, by uh, Pastor Tony Evans, gave a great definition of it. He defines providence as this. It's the work of God where he, where he integrates and he blends events in the universe in order to fulfill his original design for which what it was created. It is God sitting behind the steering wheel of time. He goes on to say providence is God's governance of all events so as to direct them toward an end. In this text, King David continues, like I said, continues on the imagery of the shepherd and sheep where he shares that he's leading down the paths of righteousness. Now, what does that mean, the path of righteousness? What does it mean for um, his namesake? I like how the New English Translation editors talked about that this path of righteousness in terms of as it relates to a shepherd is a shepherd is actually responsible for leading the sheep on the right path. And when he talks about for the namesake or for the sake of their reputation, they had a serious reputation. If the, if the shepherd was taking sheep and the sheep got killed, everybody would hear that this is not a good shepherd. So this shepherd's reputation was on the line when he was directing and leading his sheep. And this is what the text shows, is that, that he's led on path of rights for the sake of his reputation. I think, I believe that this is really uh, uh, important and really speaks to God's reputation. We read through scripture of all the great and wonderful things that really shows of how God is someone, as a God that we can trust and put our faith in. I believe, you know, in terms of when you read about the children of Israel, all the stuff that God has blessed them with and provided for, all the surrounding peoples around them were able to see how God is faithful. God is able to take this small group of people and do great things. And so this speaks to God's reputation of how he's able to provide, he's able to direct, he's able to guide. I think in King David, God's... um, King David experienced God's providence all throughout his life, from being selected as a king at an early age, defeating Goliath, as well as what is recorded in 2 Samuel 8, where it says, God gave him victory to wherever he went. In Psalms 37, 23, David writes of providence when he says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord upholds, holds them by their hand. For us followers of today, we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit who's actively at work in providence. Jesus said in John 14 that the Holy Spirit will be our helper, will teach us things. And in John 16, it says he will guide us in all truth. This is providence all working together. I can say for me that I experienced providence this year. For the past two to three years, I, I, I've desired and wanted to continue and return back to seminary, seminary, but I always wondered how that was going to happen, how I was going to have the time, how I was going to have the money to go back to seminary. But it was God's providence. God worked things out that I was able to go back to school. Not only was I able to go back to take a class, I was able to complete three classes this year in seminary. That was God's providence. Not only that, but God's providence, as I said, I was trying to figure out how you're going to make the money work, how it's going to be. God worked things out that it was able to be paid for all of my classes, and that's God's providence at work. I believe the problem when we think about providence, 
is in our eyes, we're focused on our current situation. We're thinking about um, what we're not seeing or how things are bad or things are not working out, but God is able to work things out. We may be in a bad situation right now, but God is able to work things out, work the good for us. And so we need to just take confidence in that. We, can't, we, have to for, we cannot forget that God is sovereign and that he's able to direct us in the path that we should take, even if those paths don't look straight. We can say and see that the Lord are, is our shepherd, that we have everything we need because he supplies us with providence. The text goes on to say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We see in this text, God is a caring shepherd who supplies his followers with his presence. Out of all of what God supplies, his provision, his providence, I believe the most important thing is his presence. It is interesting that David proceeds from discussing how God is a shepherd that leads him down the right path to discussing them going into a valley of shadow of death. One, one, wonder, one, one would wonder if it is the right path. Why would it be a valley of the shadow of a valley of shadow of death if he's leading me down the right path. But David understands that his journey with the shepherd would be on the right path. But it won't be free of error, of terror or adversity. He declares that regardless of what he experiences, it is who is with him. He can fear no evil because it's who it's with him. It's God. God is with him. It's not that he has the power when he says, I fear no evil, it's not speaking out of pride that I have no, uh, I fear no evil because I'm a strong and powerful man. He's not saying that because he's a king of an army that he can just call his army to, to address this. But he's speaking and finding his confidence in God because he knows his God. God is able to see him through. David shares in similar sim sentiments in Psalms 46. And this is one of my favorite um, texts um, where it says in um, Psalm 46, it says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And the psalm goes on to say, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Thank you. Thank you so much. I think in terms of when we talk about presence, um, as many of you know, I work in the public schools. I've been working in the public schools for about 10 years with middle school students. And one of the great things about working with young people is that you're able to see them grow. You're able to see them laugh. You're actually learning the new styles, the new trends, the new slang words, everything with young people. It's just a lot. I mean, and they're also, uh, you know, working with young people. They also, you know, you realize that the comments they make, you're thinking that they're laughing at someone else, but they're actually laughing at you. Um, <laughs> And so, or, and they're la not laughing with you, but laughing at you. But I think also another downside about working pe with people, specifically a lot of the kids that I work with, is the challenges, the adversity, the trauma, and the abuses that some of these kids are going through. It's, it's, it's the evil, some of the evil that I've, I've ever heard of is what's happening to kids and happening in the environments that they're in. And I all constantly wonder how, how, how I can continue the work that I do working with these young people, coming alongside that, coming alongside them. 
And one of the things that this helped me in this scripture helps me to see is God is with me. God shows me he, I am with you. As you're walking with these young people, I am with you. And it's encouraging to know that, that as I am walking with them, he, he is present with me. As I'm trying to comfort and come alongside him, he's comforting me. And it says in 2 Corinthians 1.3, it says, Blessed be the God uh, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted. It's also comforting to know that our God is so much bigger, stronger, and powerful than the situations that we go through. And God is able to help me to see is that, that this darkness that a lot of these students are working with, a lot of these kids I work with, and even our darkness in ourselves, it won't last. That God can, can create a beautiful and bright morning. That God is in control. God is the supreme. That he can work things out for these kids. It's, it's, it's not me it's not the government. It's nothing that we can depend on. Only God. God can work it out, and God is the one we can trust in. As we go into verse 5, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And, and some of the scholars have thought about that this is a change of metaphor, going from a, the God who's a shepherd to a God who's a gracious host. So they're believing this is a separate metaphor. But Warren Wesby actually says this actually paints a really unique picture of a shepherd. So when he talks about preparing a table, it's that shepherd that actually is getting down on the, uh, on, on the ground in the late night and feeding a shepherd while the animals are, are, are going around them. The shepherd is down there protecting them, feeding them, and nourishing them. And, that. and, and this is an example of God being a good shepherd. He also says in this thing about the, um, um, the, the anointing of the head with oil. This actually is a, a, a showing of how a good shepherd, a shepherd is actually attending to the needs of a sheep. Some sheep have been injured or have uh, been scuffed up, and the shepherd is actually down there anointing this, this, these, these sheep with oil to tend to their needs. And I think this picture shows us what God does for us and how he attends to our needs, how the things that we have done, the problems that we have, the things that we've got caught up in, and how God attends to our needs. He ministers to us and helps us through it. I think in terms, when we go into verse 6, it, surely, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy, this is in some examples of, of a sheepdog following the, the, uh, the sheep around to keep them in order. But I, I believe but being in relationship with Jesus Christ, his presence results in goodness and mercy following us. We can't outrun it. We can't escape it. It's just us coming around. I mean, just imagine that as followers of Christ, we have goodness and mercy following us. You know, David experienced goodness and mercy in spite of all that he has done. If, if, there, if there was anybody in the Bible that would be on the list in our time to be canceled, David would be probably the top on the list. But this man repented of his sin, which was profoundly recorded in, in Psalm 51, and not only received God's forgiveness, but continuous experience 
God's goodness and mercy. David is not the only one. I believe if we took a roll call right now, we can all attest that we are, are, don't deserve the goodness and mercy of God. But, he, it, it, but I think that makes it sweeter it, that to know that God still provides us with this goodness and mercy. Lastly, in verse 6, it says, And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David knows that he will be able to enjoy and dwell in God's presence forever. I believe G, um, King David is ref, uh, uh, reflecting on what God recorded in 1 Chronicles 17, where it says, Thus said the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be prince over my people. And I have been with you whenever you have gone and cut out all your enemies from you. And I will make for you a name like the name of the great ones of the earth. We can see in this uh, satisfaction that we may not see the provision. We may not see the providence, but we can experience God's sweet presence with us through his Holy Spirit. Now we see in this text that David shows us the why why God is a caring shepherd who supplies us with provision, he supplies us with providence, and he supplies us with his presence. But Psalms 23 also shows how. How should we live this out? How should we allow a caring and loving God to be our shepherd? To, 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 I think, believe to help us to understand it as simple as ABC, right? ABC. A is to affirm we must be like David, confidently declaring that the Lord is our shepherd. Just like David starts off, the, starts off the psalm with this affirmation, we should start off our days declaring that the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. It reminds us of who we are, of who our shepherd is. It reminds us that we are not our shepherds. This government is not shepherds. Our friends are not shepherds. The shepherd is God Almighty. You see, affirming the Lord is my shepherd is also a declaration of dependence on God. The Christian life is where we are in constant need and dependence on God. Sometimes we think about it that this dependence starts when you become a Christian. You say, I need God. And then uh, we come to God when we need him for help. But the Christian life is always stretched out saying, I need you. I can't live this life without you. I am dependent on you. You are my shepherd. And that's a constant thing that we constantly must affirm. B is for belief. We must beyond, move beyond just affirming God with, with words. We must believe in our hearts that God our shepherd has and will supply our provision, providence, and presence. David demonstrated when he says, I have, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything. I fear no evil. I will dwell in the house um, forever. These are words of someone who believes what he says. We said that we must affirm. We say we must believe. And lastly, we must commit. We must commit to following the Lord, our shepherd. We can say it, we can believe it, but we have to demonstrate that. We see in this text that he was committed to following God. It says that he followed God down green pastures. It said he followed him to still waters, down the, right, um, the path of righteousness, even down the valley of the shadow of death. This is someone committed to following God. We need to be committed to depend on him as a sheep is dependent on a shepherd. 
But what supplies, what, what God supplies for a sheep are, those, are for those who put their trust in him. Those who have not put their trust in him, God desires for you to be his sheep. I want to let you know that Psalms 23 points to, good, to the good shepherd recorded in John chapter 10, which is Jesus Christ. In John chapter 10, 11, it says, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. This is profound. Because a shepherd dying for sheep? Filthy animals? That doesn't make sense. But that shows you how wonderful, how good this shepherd is of Jesus Christ. This death was on behalf because the wages of our sin is death. And Jesus offered up his life. Now the story does not end there. Jesus died and rose again, showing us that he is the good shepherd. And he was not just a great man, but he was God. And this same God wants to you to follow him and give you the Holy Spirit who will dwell with you and guide you. But the starting point is making the Lord your shepherd, which declares you are unable to live this life, unable to provide for yourself, unable to meet your needs. You must make God your shepherd. Jesus cares for you and he wants you to follow him. It's recorded in John 15. It said that Jesus said that there will be rejoicing in heaven for the lost sheep who repents and follows him. As we conclude our time together, let's imagine what it looks like if we start to truly have God as our caring shepherd. How would our personal lives look? I bet we would have less stress, anxiety, and worry because we know that God is working in our lives to truly supply our needs. We would be able to boldly look at the darkness in our life and say, I will fear no evil because you are with me. What would the places where we work, where we learn, where we live, and where we play look like? We would have those who do not know God want to know him because they see how we are following this great shepherd and how this great shepherd is providing for us. Today, as we experience the first day of this new year, we should ensure that this year we need to affirm, believe, and commit to the Lord being our shepherd who supplies us with provision, providence, and presence, which is the only New Year's resolutions we truly need. Let me pray, pray with me right now. Heavenly Father God, we are grateful for your word today. We're grateful for Psalms 23 that you worked through King David to write those words. These words are encouraging to us today that we know you as a great shepherd, that you are able to shepherd us, that you're able to guide us you're able to supply us with your providence. You're able to supply us with your provision. You're able to supply us with your presence. We ask, Lord God, that we follow you, that we follow you desperately, that we depend on our lives, depend, live lives dependent on you, that you may use our lives for your glory and for your honor. We thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.